You're listening to China Africa Talk. Jambo ni Bridget akikuletea kipindi kinachohusiana na China na Africa. Vous écoutez le dialogue sino-africain avec Bridget. Everything China, everything Africa. Olá, você está ouvindo China Africa Talk com Bridget. Sayidati wa sadati, marhaban bikum. Fi al-hawar al-siniy al-arabi ma'a Bridget. Personifying prehistoric beauty, theological relevance and environmental importance, China Africa Talk honors one of Earth's most magnificent creatures with World Elephant Day. Hello and welcome to another edition of China Africa Talk. I'm your host Bridget Matambirwa coming to you from the Chinese capital and today we are celebrating the largest land mammal on the African and Asian continent, keystone species, invaluable ecosystem engineers, too cute to boot. So ahead of World Elephant Day, in the first segment of this edition, I caught up with Dr. Tempe Adams. She is the coexistence and education manager at Elephants Without Borders in Botswana. And in the next half of this edition, I speak with Professor Li Jiang, a professor in the Key Laboratory for Diversity, Science and Ecological Engineering with the Beijing Normal University. The two guests explain the importance of this day and why elephants are awesome. Dr. Tempe Welcome to the program. No, thank you so much. I'm very honored that you that you invited us to come and chat. Great. So tell us about Elephants Without Borders. What does World Elephant Day mean to Elephants Without Borders? So great question. So Elephants Without Borders is a Botswana based wildlife charity. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the oldest running NGOs actually in Botswana. Uh, Elephants Without Borders is dedicated to conserving uh, all wildlife within Southern Africa. That's that's sort of the mandate. It was started by a gentleman called Dr. Mike Chase, Mm -hmm. and he was the first Motswana, so citizen of Botswana, to get a doctorate in elephant biology. Mm. And he went on out of his doctorate and the importance of the research he was working on to create this NGO, Elephants Without Borders. Mm. And what's really incredible about and significant about Elephants Without Borders and Botswana specifically is Botswana has the largest elephant population right. on the African continent. Right specifically looking at wildlife and elephant conservation was was really quite important and vital at the Mm. time. So it was founded over 15 years ago. Elephants themselves, they're our ambassadors, right? Mm. Um, They're the ambassadors for conservation. They provide the motivation to raise awareness. They enable us to generate opportunities. And I think what's really incredible about elephants, especially within Botswana, is Botswana elephants are not just Botswana's elephants. They're also Zimbabwe's elephants, Zambia's elephants. They move throughout the region. Right. And that's where the namesake Elephants Without Borders came from, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we have to think about conserving and looking after them at a regional scale, not just a country by country scale. Huge responsibility. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's correct. So I suppose World Elephant Day is kind of our day. It's Elephant's Day, isn't mm. it? It's about raising awareness and getting day-to-day conversations with everyone around the world. It's our chance to raise and celebrate this iconic species. Mm. And what does an elephant reserve in Botswana look like? 
There's not specific elephant reserves. What we have in Botswana is wildlife protected areas, okay. um, like many countries. So we'll have national parks and private reserves mm -hmm. and then private concession areas. So our largest in the country is actually the Central Kalahari Game Reserve. Okay. And that's an area of over 52,000 square kilometers. But specifically, the area that we work in, where we're based, is Chobe National Park. And it's mm -hmm. probably one of the most iconic for elephants it's one of the highest density of elephants actually in the continent mm -hmm. and that's around 11,000 square kilometers so we're talking about very big large allocated areas for wildlife protection and conservation mm -hmm. and what's really incredible about these allocated areas they're unfenced mm -hmm. you know it, they're just marked on maps so it allows the free movement of these animals to do their traditional migratory routes and, and move through the different connected wildlife areas still to this day, which is quite rare in this day and age, you know, where we obviously have increasing human population, we've got increasing development, but we still have these unfenced big designated wildlife areas, which is quite extraordinary. Mm -hmm. And a big thing of what Elephants Without Borders does, mm -hmm. we do do a number of different projects, okay. but one of the biggest projects that Mike Chase was actually started in his PhD was to work out where elephants move right. and how they move through this part of Africa. So we actually have one of the largest GPS collared satellite data sets. So GPS collars are and collars that we put on wild elephants mm -hmm. and they allow us to understand in real time where the elephants are moving through mm -hmm. the landscape, which is quite extraordinary. I was actually going to ask <laughs> in my mind, I'm thinking, how do they monitor these elephants? I mean, you're thinking of elephants coming in from Zambia, from Zimbabwe, and yeah. then how does that work? Yes, and it's a great question. So we deploy what we call is a collar, which is effectively a small GPS device that mm -hmm. sits behind their neck. It goes around their neck mm -hmm. and there's just a little counterweight. It's like a necklace mm. effectively. And what these collars do, they can give us positions, GPS positions of these animals to a fine scale, you know, to every hour. And wow. they don't bother them. They can be on them for up to two to three years, sometimes wow. even four years they work and they give us real time data. So we know exactly where the elephants are at that time. And it's a really uninvasive process. It, obviously you have to tranquilize them mm. um, and, and put them on, but the whole process, we've got it down to a very fine art of about 10 minutes. Oh, okay. um, then they have no recollection of it, but it's incredible because it allows us to really pinpoint and understand how and where they're moving through and between protected areas and between different countries. And that allows us to understand the key and prioritize those key sort of movement areas, those wildlife corridors, we call them, mm. so the paths that they used to be connected between these protected areas. So again, that's this idea that elephants are ambassadors for mm. not just elephants, but all the wildlife. So if an elephant uses these paths and wildlife corridors, other wildlife can as well. Wow, that's amazing. Do you have any specific projects, though, that are supported by Finstart Borders? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, our big mandate is innovative research, right? Mm -hmm. But that's combined with education mm -hmm. as well. Education is key. So as I was saying, we have the GPS satellite project that's mm -hmm. been ongoing now for, we have over almost 20 years of data wow. showing how elephants have moved through the region, which is pretty wow. incredible. This is like and how awesome. that changed you know, how's that changed through the years? Mm. We also have done aerial surveys, um, so wildlife population counts. And again, those aren't just for elephants, they're actually for a multiple array of species. So mm. as small as 
a smaller antelope, like an impala, mm. um, right up to elephants. And we've done that in national park level to a Botswana-wide level to the Great Elephant Census. So mm. Elephants Without Borders was the key instigating NGO to launch the Great Elephant Census, which was a very ambitious research project that was done a number of years ago where mm. it was trying to count all of the African elephants, the mm. African savanna elephants that we have left on the continent. It was quite an extraordinary project and we got to fly not just Botswana but a number of different countries mm -hmm. really trying to ascertain and work out exactly how many savannah elephants we have left. So aerial surveys was a big part of our work mm -hmm. and then we also um, have a whole education program mm -hmm. now so it's raising awareness within our district and within schools, with local companies about elephants and the importance of elephants, the conservation of elephants. Because, mm. um, I mean, it's very important that even at, you know, a primary school level, kids learn about, yes. the, about the basics of elephants, that yes. they live in family groups, things like that. It's very power is obviously, and knowledge is power. That's sort of mm. our catchphrase mm. when it comes to conservation. And then we also have a human wildlife conflict and coexistence program. Okay. So obviously Botswana, as we're saying, is so incredible the way they have such a large elephant population, but living with that elephant population can be difficult, especially mm. when you're farming, mm. especially with, you know, growing towns, as we're saying, growing agricultural areas. So coming up with ways that both humans and elephants can live together is, is yes. a big part of what we do. Mm. I've read of several unfortunate cases around Africa resulting from human-elephant conflicts. Perhaps how is Elephant Without Borders helping with human-elephant coexistence? Yeah, we kind of use a threefold approach. So understanding, as I was saying, those and demarcating those wildlife corridors is really important because mm -hmm. they provide a safe passage for elephants to pass through and access the necessary resources, so, so water. So mm. conflict comes about from space and space mm. um, and land use planning, basically, mm. generally speaking. Obviously, everyone needs water. Elephants need water. Yeah. People need water. So a lot of towns and, and farming areas are built alongside water, which is a resource that wildlife needs as well. So when people and humans come into direct contact with one another, that can create conflict or negative incidences. And it can come down to you're driving along in your car mm. at nighttime and there's elephants crossing the road to I'm a farmer in a field and I'm growing maize mm -hmm. and an elephant comes in and will, you know, opportunistically come and have a nice tasty snack. Mm. So there's different kinds of scales of what you would call conflict. Mm. Um, and elephants are seen as as a pest species by some because you can lose your entire crop to, in one night for example to an elephant so a lot of what we're doing is in working with the local community to come up with ways that we can keep elephants out of their areas so we can allow them to farm successfully right mm. so we've created something called the ellie census toolkit ah, okay. um, <laughs> which sounds quite funny but it's a it's a it's fundamentally a, a whole lot of different technology and it's we try and keep everything as low cost as possible. We try and make it all solar. Mm. And what we do is we work with farmers and community members one-on-one -on -one in trying to keep elephants out of their crops or gardens or homesteads where the elephants then can continue on their path and access wildlife corridors and, and water resources and farmers can keep growing their crops. For example, in the toolkit, we have a solar-powered electric rope Okay. 
So something that you can put up around your crop and field and charge it through the day from the sun and it has enough voltage to deter an elephant if it wants to come near and, and sniff your crop. Mm. We've had huge success from that. Uh, another tool, sorry, in the toolkit that we have is solar strobe lights. Mm-hmm. So basically, it looks like a disco at night time. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> These lights are placed on the side of the crop or garden that elephants most commonly try and enter from. Okay. And at night time, the lights are sort of put at 10 meter intervals along that side and it looks like a barrier at night time. So it's flashing lights and it seems those lights are quite foreign and scary to elephants and they don't come in and cross that barrier. So it's it's quite extraordinary. The biggest part is trying not to block their movements, mm. they, they, you know, what they've been doing for many years and try not to develop on those paths. That's why the use and demarcating of wildlife corridors is so important. Understanding elephant movements as well mm. as human development is key. Working on the ground, what would you say is the greatest threat to elephants in the wild? What do the elephants need? What kind of travel corridors do they want? I mean, it's a really great question. Unfortunately, the illegal ivory poaching is still very rampant across Mm. the continent. Um, I think people are often quite surprised to hear that. Mm. Um, And I think just, again, um, just myth-busting, there's terrible misconceptions like elephants shed their ivory which is not true you know i think just really understanding that ivory is teeth and and those sorts of campaigns are really important Mm. but ultimately the increase in human population and development is happening globally and obviously elephants are large animals so they require quite a lot of space and more and more now the space that they've always had is becoming smaller and smaller and more diminished and it's not to say that development can't happen obviously development's going to happen but i think there's ways that we can develop in a really mindful way and understand and design our towns and cities and agricultural areas with the mindset of understanding the wildlife that moves through those areas and that's why wildlife corridors are so important and i do think you know Coupled with that is climate change. Right. Again, right. globally, we're seeing increases in, in temperatures, right? Mm-hmm. Especially in our region, we're seeing larger fluctuations between winter and summer and wet season and dry season. And we're seeing really quite in- increased temperatures, mm-hmm. which means there's more climate for water and more requirement for resources to get animals through those really dry times. And that's happening quite quickly. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely being felt the impact of climate change for sure. We'll be celebrating World Elephants Day. I would like to know from you what's happening in Botswana. Are there any events that you're planning in terms of activities in commemoration of this day? Yeah, so we always traditionally used to do a big parade in our town in Kasani mm-hmm. and we would have hundreds of people. It was the largest conservation parade actually that okay. we've ever had actually in the country. We used to do that every year to commemorate the day mm-hmm. and there'd be performance raising um, awareness and but we'd do a big march through the town. Hundreds of people marching from schools and government sectors and people in the tourism industry all marching to raise awareness for elephants. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately obviously through COVID and the pandemic we we still have quite high COVID rates we're not organizing an event such as that this year but we're doing exactly this having conversations with you raising awareness getting elephants to be spoken about Mm. is is key we're doing as much as we can to raise awareness from our offices and from our laptops what would you like to say to listeners out there in commemoration of this year's World Elephants Day what is something that everyone can do to conserve elephants I think 
the key thing is to go and support and learn mm -hmm. and talk about elephants, inform yourselves. There's so much incredible, so many incredible resources out there. Mm -hmm. There's so many wonderful organizations doing work on elephant conservation, not just in Southern Africa, across the continent, mm -hmm. um, across, across the world raise awareness, learn, plant a tree. <laughs> I mm. think planting the tree is hugely significant, not just for elephants, but yeah, for everyone. For everyone. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. it's something that everyone can go and do. So, you know, just even that can have an impact. Dr. Tempe Adams, thank you so much. I've learned quite a lot about what you're doing. It's an amazing job that you're doing in Botswana with these elephants. Good luck. Thank you very much. We're really very excited to speak to you today. And to the elephants. Well, obviously can't get into the mind of an elephant, but Happy World Elephants Day. Happy World Elephant Day. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Unfortunately, that's all the time that we have. Dr. Adams, thank you so much. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Listeners, stay tuned in for our second segment after the break, where we speak with Professor Li Jiang from the Beijing Normal University. Ever wondered what's actually going on in Africa through the perspective of an African? How are things really going between China and Africa? What's the narrative of this relationship? Well, get a perspective with China-Africa talk. Hear from African diplomats, entrepreneurs, academics, Chinese natives, and more. Get an hour wavelength every week to find out what's real with China-Africa talk. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. We'll see you there. Welcome back to the program, and as I mentioned earlier, still in commemoration of World Elephant Day, Professor Li Jiang from the Beijing Normal University now joins us. Professor, I'm glad you could join us today. I'm a pleasure to join the program to celebrate International Elephant Day. Thank you, Professor. Professor Li, why is Elephant Day so important? Why do we celebrate this day? As you know that there are two, three species of elephants living on the planet, including one Asian elephant species and two African elephant species, including savanna elephant and forest elephant. Forest African elephant is critical endangered and the savanna African elephant and Asian elephant, they are endangered species. They are giant mammal on the line, but facing a lot of threat, human activities from climate change and play very important her as a flagship species living in the jungle and the forest and grassland, savanna ecosystems. So they are very important to the planet, to biodiversity, and as well as to human beings. Mm. So I believe it's important to celebrate this Worldwide Elephant Day to raise public awareness and the people's awareness on elephant conservation yeah. around the world. Right. Your areas of research also include population status, quality distribution, behavior, and genetic study of wild Asian elephants in China. What is the elephant population in your country and what does an elephant reserve in your country look like? I currently, the Asian elephant in China is about 300. So it's not a big population size compared to the total Asian elephant population around 35,000 to 42,000 in 13 Asian states. But it's a really important keystone species mm -hmm. in the remaining tropical rainforest region. 
And how would you describe the social structure, though, of the elephants in China? Where can you find them? The Asian elephant can be found in extremely southwest China, in Yunnan province, bordering to Vietnam, Laos, and Myanmar. The main population is Chishuang Banna, where it has about over 70% of the total population in China. And there are also small population distributed in a nearby Guar city, as well as Mangunhe, where have very small population, around 20. Although there are only 300 individuals left in China, but they also distributed into small pieces. Uh, some of the population is quite small and isolated, so it's a really a challenge. And talking about the roles of elephants in China, what do they play? They play very important part as a forest structure to plant community with nature development and and play as a very important curve in ecosystems. Mm. But meanwhile, especially in recent 20 years, their behavior have some changes. Okay. And because of the increasing of human activity in the province, especially mm. in the range area of the Asian elephant, they started to eat more crops than nature food especially in recent decades, okay. uh, human-elephant conflict is increasing. So their food resources changed a lot to crops. Mm-hmm. And uh, they can easily find a lot of uh, food in the cropland. So they have uh, this uh, behavior changes to prefer eating the crops instead of uh, nature food. So this is a change immediately after the perhaps has disappeared. We don't work towards conserving our elephants. Is there a possibility of extinction? How is the future looking, though, for this iconic species? Mm-hmm. As you know, that in 1960s or 1970s, mm-hmm. uh, people in China, they still, local people, they still have a hunting gun and uh, they kill elephants for their task or for the human element conflict. But with the establishment of China wildlife protection law in 1980s and with a very strict law enforcement, I can see that illegal killing of elephants already stopped in recent years. After almost 50 years, elephant population in China almost doubled. Now its population is around 300. You can see the effectiveness of wildlife protection in China, especially for Asian elephant as a first class that is species. Meanwhile, the habitat is limited. Mm. So we need to consider how to protect this endangered species with a long-term goal as soon as possible. Mm. In your opinion, worldwide, do you feel that there's a unified approach with regards to dealing with elephant conservation? What exactly is needed? Is it, is it financial support? Is it more law enforcement? What will it take? Actually, in both Asia and Africa, mm. uh, the conservation measures could be same or and different with differences. In Asia, human-elephant conflict is most common and important stress mm-hmm. to most of the Asian elephant ranch states. But in African states, poaching elephant for every or human-elephant conflict mm-hmm. is still a problem. So in African states, anti-poaching and stop every trade is the most priority. But in Asia, including China, 
how to mitigate the human-elephant conflict mm-hmm. is an important question to all the Asian elephant-ranked states. With my understanding, I believe that to design a landscape plan for Asian elephant conflict is mm-hmm. important, like okay. what China is doing now to design the uh, Asian Elephant National Park. So it's important to link mm-hmm. those isolated areas mm-hmm. to be a one whole national park, including the measures to provide alternative livelihood for local people living inside elephant ranges areas. And I think it's a, the multiple solution to preserve endangered species Asian elephant as well as provide alternative livelihood locals living in the same area. And just to wind off, do you have any messages for listeners in commemoration of this year's World Elephant Day? Yeah, for this uh, Elephant Day, I would like to say to our audience that with all the species living together with us Mm -hmm. on the earth, we need to consider to leave some natural place them as their habitat. We mm-hmm. cannot develop all Earth for ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I strongly support the concept that E.O. Wilson uh, promoted a couple of years ago to leave half Earth to other species. Mm. Professor Lee, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for all the audience to support elephant conservation. Happy World Elephants Day. Yeah. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post it on social media, or leave a rating and review. Thanks again. See you next time.